Chapter Twenty Two of the King's Daughter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The King's Daughter by Pansy. Chapter Twenty Two. The Fire. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. It was after eleven o'clock when Dell, on her way to her room, paused before the bar room door and hearing no sound within ventured to open it and peep in such a contrast as that room presented to the rest of the house which had long since come under dell's sway scrupulous cleanliness and order prevailed and evidences of a refined and cultured taste were gradually taking up their abode in every room everywhere but in the bar-room there she never penetrated the more utterly comfortless and forlorn and dirty that place could be made to look the better pleased was dell and certainly the blundering boy who had present charge of that department was calculated to do her soul good. On the evening in question she peeped cautiously in. Six or seven loungers in chairs, or disposed along the wooden settees, and every one of them asleep. The close confined air, the smoking stove, and the smoking lamps, together with the intolerable smell of tobacco and bad whiskey, had been too much for them, and their snores were becoming every moment more distinct and determined. Seated just in front of the smouldering fire, Mr. Bronson tipped back in one of the hard chairs, his slouched hat pushed to one side, sleeping with the rest. How old and worn he looked! Dell had never seemed to see before how sunken his cheeks were, and how very gray he was growing. Wasn't it incredible that a man as old as he, and as tired as he must be, should prefer to sit sleeping in that hard chair in that filthy room, with such surroundings and such companions, when there awaited him a bed as soft and white and sweet-smelling as careful hands could make it? Every day the wonder grew upon Dell. Every day the house took on a daintier aspect, and her father seemed in a sense to appreciate and enjoy it. Oftener he came, and longer he lingered in the fair gem of a morning-room that she had made for his special entrapment. Yet what did it amount to, since he daily increased his capacity and his passion for whiskey, so that often he came in a half-drunken state, and sat down in her dainty-cushioned chairs, and profaned the purity of that fair room with ceaseless spittings, and even with oaths. All to no purpose looked the sacrifice of Dell's life. Her father had set up an idol in his heart long ago, and every day he bestowed more of his heart's love on it. Every passing day seemed to make it more improbable that he would ever seek any other love. Yet looking upon him, Dell daily said to herself this unalterable promise, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. She shut the door softly upon that disgusting scene, and went up the stairs singing softly to herself, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. Actually singing, and her father sitting in that dreadful bar-room in a drunken sleep. You see, she had an expected end. She said it over aloud after she had finished her voice of song, to give you an expected end. Dell had risen to a higher plane of life during these passing months. With her, in a sense, hope had been lost, not in fruition, but in expectation. Why? Because of the promise. Rather, the long chain of promises, link after link, of which she knew by heart, and on each separate link she fed herself, reminding the king daily, hourly, of his own words, and she knew they were of more importance to him than half his kingdom, and she knew his scepter was held out to her, so now she just waited in daily expectation of the end that she knew was to come. How? Ah, just that she did not know. Not given up trying to help, you understand. Not a bit of that. 
she held on to her end of the chain. She spread her little traps and snares, and looked eagerly to see if her father would fall into them, and wondered if that were to be the way that the end would come. And when he chose one by one apparently to ignore her ways, she told herself earnestly that his ways are not as her ways, nor his thoughts as her thoughts. And realizing how infinitely higher and better his ways must be than hers, she put her hand in his and trod bravely on. Certainly this daughter of the king had learned one lesson during all her time of humble waiting, worth all the hours of discipline that it had required, the lesson of patient, prayerful trust. She went briskly about preparing for rest, the hour was late, but late as was the hour she dived down into the bottom of an unpacked trunk in search of a thick wrapper lined throughout with flannel that she had determined should go with Mrs. Cooley's bundle in the morning. Mrs. Cooley was sick and the winter was severe. Dell had been sewing all that day, getting ready some comfortable garments for the sick woman. It was part of this girl's method of preaching temperance, and it also belonged, perhaps, in a curious way, to the doctrine of retribution, that while the father sold Jack Cooley all the whiskey he would drink, the daughter struggled faithfully to replace some of the comforts to the wife and children that this miserable man swallowed daily. Two hours after that she was in Boston having a delightful talk with Uncle Edward, when she was brought suddenly back to Lewiston, and she sat up in bed with bewildered vision and startled ears. What had she heard to awaken her so suddenly, she wondered, only for an instant, then the sounds rang out again on the still clear air, fire, 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 caught up and repeated from mouth to mouth. She sprang up and looked out on the village from either window, no sign of blaze visible to her, but people running toward the hotel, and then a vigorous pounding and loud calls at their front door. One glance into the hall revealed the secret. It was full of blaze and smoke. It was the work of an instant to envelop herself in the woolen wrapper that she had been at such pains to find, then rush downstairs and draw the bolts to that front door. In poured the men ready and eager for work. That next hour has always been a maze of bewilderment to Dell. She knew she worked, tore up and down stairs, brought blankets to wrap around father and the six drunkards with him. She knew they were rescued at infinite risk, and that Sam Miller and Jim Forbes were foremost in the work. She knew that she brought keys and unlocked doors to save the time it would take to burst them open. Finally, she remembered coming downstairs with her Bible and her watch and Mrs. Cooley's bundle, and following her father across the way to Parker's. But all her movements were mechanical and unreasoning. In the course of time, she realized that her father had been badly wounded, that he was lying on the bed, and that she was to take care of him. The doctor had been there and dressed his wounds and given him an opiate. While he slept, unconscious still of much that had been, Dell stood by the window and watched the men across the way, working like soldiers in a battle. And she saw plainly enough that in another two hours there would not be a beam or a plank left of the old tavern. Even at that solemn hour a strange feeling of exultation came over her. No more whiskey would ever be sold there. Her father had drank the last drop that he would ever get at that bar at least and then what barrels and barrels of the poison were being made away with, licked up by the wild flames. So much more reasonable it looked than to see men swallowing it. Then again came to her those two lines, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. She did not sing them this time, but she thought them as she stood at the window and watched the house that had been such a curse to the village melt away. Presently she spoke aloud and solemnly, This is his way, is it? Well, burn! 
before evening of the next day this young victim of rum had reason to feel that it was not all licked from earth by the last night's flames her miserable father lay on his bed unable to move hand or foot but able to speak and the constant burden of his cry was whiskey burning with fever suffering in every nerve realizing that the ill-gotten gains of years had perished in half a night this one desire was yet strong enough to overreach all other feelings something to drink something to drink in vain dell tried all her dainty little arts of pleasing prepared and brought this and that cooling liquid and held them temptingly before him he wanted none of them something strong something to build him up this was his constant groan everybody with whom she came in contact conspired against her wise ones gravely shook their heads and said it was wrong to cross him so that he was accustomed to stimulus and he must have it or he would die even mr nelson who called in the course of the day when dell pitifully appealed to him for encouragement said doubtfully he did not know he was sure he was not skilled in these things perhaps as he had always been accustomed to it it might be dangerous to irritate him so yet he should very much dislike to give him stimulus if he had it to decide but at the same time it was hard to go contrary to every one's opinion physician and all on the whole he did not know anything about it it would be impossible to tell what he would do if he were similarly situated throughout the long weary day dell stood resolutely on guard resolute outwardly at least but with such a troubled heart what was the right thing to do could she possibly bring herself to give him a drink of that hated poison after having spent so many agonizing hours in prayer for his release from its dominion in the early evening they were having another debate on the same question the dapper little doctor who was dell's special dislike and herself mr nelson standing apart an interested and troubled listener and jim forbes an eager and excited one now i tell you miss bronson dr jones said pompously you can't make the world over in a minute even if it would be well to do so at all your father has been used to a drink of whiskey every day and whiskey he must have or he will die as likely as not anyway this chafing and fretting are very bad for him you can certainly see that but i thought that whiskey was not considered advisable by any one during a fever said poor puzzled dell but my dear miss bronson the fever is doubtless the result of this day's constant fretting i should not wish to overurge you but really the consequences of this strange fancy on your part may be serious if only she could but trust him could be sure that he knew what he was talking about if only she knew what was the right thing to do she looked wearily over in the corner where jim forbes stood he stepped forward a little his eager look attracted her attention i wouldn't give him rum miss bronson he said earnestly the little doctor wheeled around on him with an angry air perhaps you would be willing to undertake the case he said with a haughty sneer dell interposed i am not convinced that it is the best to feed my father on what has been his lifelong curse until i am i shall not give him brandy young lady would you like to have your father die asked mr jones with tremendous emphasis and in his sternest tones which truth to tell were not very stern for dignity and sternness were not his forte the thought not the words paled dell's face could she have her father die as he had lived drinking away his senses lulled into his last sleep with that awful rum and yet was her action perilling his life poor weary girl she seemed hunted on every side a slight bustle in the hall arrested dr jones attention dell had not noticed it but when the door opened she raised her eyes a tall handsome form a gentle manly trustful face one glance and then dell sprang forward with something between a laugh and a sob exclaiming 
Oh, Uncle Edward, I knew you would come. My darling, he said, in that voice of fatherly sweetness and tenderness. Then, how is he tonight? And Dell held up her head, and her thoughts went back to her father. He is worse, I am afraid, Uncle Edward. Must I let them give him brandy? We will try to determine that very soon. My dear, do you see my companion? He was a tall, grave, gray-haired man. He stepped a little out of the shadow, and Dell's face lighted with a sudden hope and gladness, such as even her uncle's coming had not brought. And a great deal of her gladness and hopefulness was expressed in her tones, as she held out both hands to him and said, Dr. McHenry! End of chapter 22 Recording by Tricia G.